2: The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including... AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. WPUL AM 1590 in Daytona Beach, Florida. KUHI AM 1610 in St. Helens, Oregon. K-H-R-O-A-M-1150 in El Paso, Texas. And for more information on becoming a professional broadcast affiliate of the Exxon Radio Show, visit www.xzbn.net or call toll-free worldwide 1-800-610-7035. Right here on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Worldwide, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email xzone at com On MSN Messenger, Radio tv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. My first guest tonight is Robert Stone, and uh, Robert comes from a family with a long history of paranormal activity and psychic phenomenon. Robert began to have paranormal experiences at the age of 7 after a severe illness. Robert is a master-level counselor and has worked with hypnotherapy, subconscious communication, and subconscious programming for over 33 years. Although focusing primarily on traditional therapy techniques, Robert has had extensive experience with reincarnation recall events and other paranormal phenomena that can manifest from the subconscious mind. In addition, he has had the opportunity to help departed spirits contact those still living and also help those that need assistance to find the light. Joining me now is Robert Stone. And Robert, welcome to the X-Zone.
3: Thanks a lot, Rob. Glad to be here.
2: what was it like at the age of seven, starting to have these paranormal experiences after you were severely ill?
3: Well, it was uh, a little confusing. Mm-hmm. I was uh, in the hospital for about a week with a severe pneumonia. I was so out of it, I didn't even realize I was getting a very huge shot several times a day. <laughs> and... uh when I became after a few days, and the medicine started taking effect, I became more conscious and what had happened what what it triggered was when I got home, when I would say my prayer at night before I went to bed mm-hmm. I had this vision when I got to the part I would always say the Lord's prayer when I got to the part where it said if I should die before I wake, this scene would flash into mind. It was always the same scene it was this really old hospital room. All I could see was a bed with uh, the the bottom third of the bed showing behind the screen. I could see some feet sticking up, you know, with a sheet and so mm-hmm. forth. And, and that's how it started. And then there was just a series of dreams after that and other experiences.
2: Robert, stand by. You and I have to take our first commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. XO Nation, my very special guest this hour, is Robert Stone. His website www.gohanover.com That's G-E-O-H-A-N-O-V-E-R dot com. I'll be back on the other side of this two-minute break with Robert Stone as we continue our investigation into the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here in the X Zone from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away, we'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> dot, Radio TV dot com. I wish I could carry your smile.
4: Feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm all my way
2: Robert Stone is my special guest of this hour explanation, www.geohanover.com. Robert, do you, is is it possible that people could actually be troubled subconsciously by those who have past or paranormal events that they may not even be aware of, that their life is in turmoil and they don't know why?
3: That's absolutely correct. Uh, spirits can influence the living mm-hmm. because they broadcast out uh, thoughts. I had a case years ago where a young lady came in with a low self-image and a drinking problem. They were just really negative, felt negative, and they were coming to seek help. And it turns out that uh, they were picking up impressions when they were being born or or during the pregnancy from their mother who didn't want them to uh, be their child. And there was just a lot of negativity that went on. And this mother just hated this child, which was very confusing to the child Mm -hmm. during the uh, pregnancy and then after they were born. And then it just kind of continued on. There was a lot of hostility and animosity. And when I got into the session with this person, they spontaneously went back to this during the pregnancy part, which is very unusual. I mean, researchers have done this, you know, where they've taken a person back uh, to just before the birth process. But this person did this spontaneously because their mind took them back to the point. So when we started looking at why... The, the mother had such an animosity towards this child that she had other children that she didn't react that way to. It turns out that her subconscious mind took back to a previous lifetime. This was spontaneously this this young girl had no idea what reincarnation was or anything else. And her and the entity that was her mother were rivals in a uh, love triangle. And the girl in that lifetime had beat out the mother and there was this great resentment. But the interesting thing about this case was that the male that was the subject of this uh, love triangle was in spirit form and was haunting this girl and giving her negative feelings, negative thoughts, trying to get her essentially to destroy herself so he could uh, have her again. You know, make her get out Mm of the the physical so that he would have her again. And uh, this entity had been plaguing her. uh, I'd say the girl was in her young 20s at the time of the session. All of her life, and she didn't know this, and the negativity was being pumped in and pumped in, and all she assumed was, well, she felt negative. She was having these self-destructive thoughts and so forth. So once we identified that this entity was there causing problems, and we went through a, a process to have the spirits escort this entity where he belonged, as opposed to hanging around down on the physical and uh, pestering this girl. And it was just like a big cloud had lifted, lifted off this person. It was like night and day. And that's uh, what most people don't realize, is that the spirit world is very real, whether you believe in it or not, because this girl had absolutely no foundation mm-hmm. for any of this stuff. And yet, it was there, it was affecting her, and once it was addressed, it uh, helped to solve her problem.
2: Is is it almost like being possessed instead of haunted?
3: Well, no, in this case, it wasn't a possession because the entity did not try to get into the person. All they were doing, it's just like... uh, a person, another person hanging around nagging you and telling you negative stuff and putting you down all the time. That's what it was like, except, of course, it was going directly into the thought processes rather than, like, two people standing together, one person saying something to the other. But no, it wasn't a possession issue with this. And this happens more than you think because it's easy for these spirits to attach themselves to living people. It happens a lot, and in some instances, people... End up, they think they're going crazy, and they mm-hmm. have to seek a mental health treatment because they're being haunted, and they don't even know they're being haunted
2: Tell me as a professional, is the mental health uh, are, are mental health professionals equipped to deal with spiritual or paranormal uh, hauntings
3: uh, Most of them are not obviously, this is not something you learn in graduate school. Mm-hmm. Are in the case of psychiatry and medical school. Uh, the more flexible clinicians and therapists, who, which is my approach, whatever you deal with, you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't let your preconceived notions come into a situation because you've got to help the person. And they don't teach this in graduate school. They, uh, they don't teach that there are outside influences that can affect the person. And because of that, this is why some people go to person after person after person seeking help and they don't get the help that they need because the actual issue isn't being addressed.
2: If a person is being haunted by spirits and they don't know, they think it's a, a, a mental health problem, they go to see a regular mental health practitioner who has no experience or who does not believe in the paranormal, what kind of misdiagnosis could be given to this person?
3: Well, uh, depending on, you know, how intense the person presents it to the clinician, mm-hmm. they could be viewed as being schizophrenic, you know, you know hearing voices right. or seeing things, which is a very common occurrence. Uh, people see that, you know, that you see things out of the corner of your eye, the person that has to be really psychically sensitive because everybody has this capacity. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be super sensitive to pick up voices, uh, see things out of the corner of your eye. I mean, it happens to people all the time. You just tend to dismiss it, say it's not much to it. And so there's a lot of people that have a problem that is coming from an external source and it's not addressed.
2: What was your first professional case as a mental health practitioner that you you worked on concerning the paranormal? And why did you decide to to go into it as deep as you have?
3: Well, of course, my own personal experiences uh, led to that. Mm -hmm. Because after my illness, it it opened up a doorway to the point that I could look at pictures and see all sorts of things about a person. I can remember when I was about seven years old, after that had happened, I would look at pictures and it was like the person's life unfolded before me. I could feel all the emotions and stuff. So I knew that there was something there, and I pursued it because I had to understand what was happening to me. And the case I told you about of a young woman was the, the, the first one that happened spontaneously shortly after I started doing the hypnotherapy work. Uh, I went at it from a traditional standpoint, of course, but being flexible, if these things came up, and it, and it happened quite a bit at the time, say, like uh, people spontaneously going into reincarnation experiences. Of course, this culture has no basis for that. Mm-hmm. Other cultures, it's a, it's a routine, established principle, but not this one. And so for some people, they would spontaneously go into reincarnation recall, and if the mind comes up with it, you need to examine it, wherever it comes from. And so for some people, it was disturbing. I can remember one client asked their mind, uh when did this problem start? And they said, uh, 1905. And then they said, wait a minute, I wasn't born until 1915. This was an older person about 30 years ago. (laughs) And so I had to smooth that over because they had no foundation for that. And so the mind goes back. I used to teach a self-hypnosis course and dealing with the subconscious communication with the pendulum. And so after everybody learned to do the pendulum and so forth, I'd throw the ringer out there. I'd say, okay, now I want you to ask your subconscious mind if you have ever lived before. And this was just dealing with people in the southeast who tend to be a little closed-minded about those sorts of things. And I don't think there was anybody who ever took those courses that didn't have their mind tell them, yes, you've lived before. I'm talking about some, some conflict and anguish it produced in some of those people. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them, it's like, hmm, this is interesting. You need to look into this further.
2: Is it possible that when you're doing regressive uh, hypnosis and you come across a past life, that that person may, in fact, cling on to that past when you try to bring them out of hypnosis?
3: Well, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, past life is just like any other memory. You know, the person no more clings to it than, say, like an event that happened at five years old in this life. And if the person is is fixated at five years old, in other words, a traumatic experience or something Mm -hmm. significant happened, it's the same principle. It's just the time parameter is different. So the person is not going to be, let's say, overwhelmed and go back and totally become the person that they were, let's say, 100 years ago although that element is part of their day-to-day personality because a person is an accumulation of experiences, and those experiences go over a number of different incarnations.
2: So I guess when people say they bring baggage with them from one life to the next, this is what they're talking about.
3: Absolutely. And if you don't know to look through the baggage to clean it out, Mm -hmm. it makes it much more difficult. That's why cultures that look into the reincarnation process and and examine it, they use it as a learning tool to make the present life better. And, of course, in their construct, to make the future lives better, too. And this is what creates a lot of conflict in the West, because the West, uh, their belief cultures are such that they don't want to acknowledge that even life after death exists, you know?
2: Robert, stand by. You and I have to take our news at the bottom there. A very interesting hour with our special guest, Robert Stone, Exonation. His website, www.gohanover.com 1-800-610-7035, toll free worldwide. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And you're listening to yours truly, Rob McConnell, here in the Exxon from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including... AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. WPUL AM 1590 in Daytona Beach, Florida. K-O-H-I AM 1610 in St. Helens, Oregon. K-H-R-O AM 1150 in El Paso, Texas. And for more information on becoming a professional broadcast affiliate of the Exxon Radio Show, visit www.xzbn.net or call toll-free worldwide 1-800-610-7035. Save every day like a treasure, and then
3: again I would spend them with you. But there never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to
2: do once you Welcome back. Exo Nation Robert Stone is our special guest. His website is geohanover.com. Robert, uh, how is it that some spirits become earthbound and others pass into the light?
3: Well, it mainly tends to do with our uh, Western cultural beliefs. I think when it comes right down to it, no one actually believes in life after death. There's a lot of people that talk about it and, Mm -hmm. and claim that they believe into it, but when it comes right down to it, in Western culture, people don't believe in life after death. Consequently, most people are not prepared for the transition. When they make the transition, they discover that they are just like they are now, except they don't have their body, although they don't usually realize this at first because to themselves they look and feel just like they did when they were alive. And they don't understand why people can't see them. They try to talk to people. People ignore them. And they're very confused. And that's because they had no framework to pass into, because, you know, when you pass in the spirit, the mind creates reality. So what you believe is what you uh, find when you pass over. And so since most people are confused, they don't realize they've transcended, they tend to get stuck because they're more oriented. They seek out the people that they know, or they seek out anybody that they think can be of assistance, which is something that happened a few months ago when I sat down to have an EVP session.
2: Can you tell us about uh, that?
3: Yes. uh, I was just going to do a brief EVP session. That's where you uh, sit down, you get focused, and you have a recorder going. A digital recorder works fine for this. And you call forth any spirits that want to say something. You have the recorder running. And rarely do you hear anything while it's going on. And so this was a very brief session. I asked the question, and it was interesting because it was really raining out that particular night. Mm -hmm. So I said, is there any spirit here that would like to speak? And then I waited a little bit. You know, you've got to give them time to answer. And since you usually don't know that they're answering, you just have to give it some time and be patient. So then, after three or four minutes, I said, okay, if there's any spirit here that would like to speak, give me a sign. Well, this big rap comes from a cabinet by the couch, and it sounded like it originated inside the cabinet. I couldn't even duplicate the sound. So I thought, hmm, well, this is interesting. So I let it go on, and, and the whole segment was about 10 minutes. There was a few other noises. So I didn't immediately put the sound file into the computer, Uh and my delay caused other noises to be uh, occurring, rapping and uh, things would like papers would fall off that there was no reason for them to fall off. There was a bunch of activity, so I thought, okay, this is interesting. So I put the, the file into the computer because that's the only way you can really tell because these sounds are very low volume mm-hmm. and you've got to have a way to identify them and isolate them. And going through there, I found a, a sound form. And that sound form said, Help. So I said, Okay. Sometimes you got to really pay attention to figure out what these sounds are because they're weak and sometimes they're a little garbled. But this sounded clearly like help. So I had another person listen to it. And, yep, that's what it said. I sent it to another person and said, Here's a South File, tell me what you think. And so they emailed me back. I emailed it to them and they said, Help. So I thought, okay, here's somebody that needs help. So me and the wife sat down in the living room, like, okay, well, whoever this is, we need to see if we can help them. So we sit there and it's pretty obvious that there's this elderly guy who. The name that came to mind was Ralph, and he was standing there, and he was like in a pair of dress slacks and a, and a, a uh, sports shirt that was kind of checkered. Not checkered, but big squares, uh, just normal dress. Right. And he looked very confused, and he was um, like stuck. Now, there's a cemetery a few blocks away from where I live, and I figured, well, it's probably related to that. Mm-hmm. So, so I said, okay, uh, this guy is stuck here. He's asking for help. So there's a process you go through. You learn this uh, through spiritualism where you ask for the guides to come to assist and this was a, a very interesting process because this demonstrated to me what what Ralph's worldview was. Because when I asked for the assistance, it was totally different from what I've seen in the past. And it was like this big white light opened up, like a like a huge spotlight. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to describe. And out of this white light came biblical type angels, like I thought hmm, this is different. And I know that that was related to Ralph's belief, what he was expecting to see. And so these biblical angels, I mean, they were beautiful. I mean, it's it's hard to describe. It was just an awesome amount of power. Came out, and they came, and they put their hands on Ralph's shoulders, and he recognized that they were there, and it was like his demeanor changed. That He was saved. He was found. And so they just regressed back into this light, uh, this big circle of light. And as Ralph was leaving, he was, you know, saying, thank you, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. And and then it went into the light and the light just kind of faded away. And that was uh, a very different experience. I've had experiences over the years with that, but that one was pretty unique.
2: Did the angels acknowledge your presence, or was it were they just there for Ralph?
3: Well, they were there for Ralph, but they uh, obviously were sentient beings. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they were aware of our presence in the room.
2: Tell me, uh, does the lack of belief in ghosts make them any less real?
3: Absolutely not. I mean, in our culture, mostly there's no such thing as ghosts. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't Change the reality because ghosts are objective beings. You know, they're they're people that don't have a body right now, and so it's just like if you say, "Well, I don't believe my next door neighbor exists," but they're there. You know, it's the same thing. Just because you claim you don't believe it, doesn't make them any less objective. And that's where people get confused because they want to convince themselves these things don't exist when they do. And that's another thing that gets people confused when they do make their own transition. They don't believe it's possible. And then they are suddenly in that condition and they're confused.
2: How would one prepare themselves for that transition come the end of this lifetime?
3: Well, the main thing is to get in touch with your subconscious mind, which has all this information stored in there. I've always been a encourage people to explore their other lifetimes because by definition of having lived before that means you've made the transition before and so by understanding that you do live eternal life you know mm-hmm. that that there is life after death it helps to say well if I've done it before I can do it again and that there's a place that you go and your mind orients towards the correct place rather than getting fixated on the physical level.
2: How does a ghost actually affect physical matter? For example, you were talking about the wrapping that came out of the cabinet. How can a ghost do that when a ghost is not of a mass material?
3: Well, they're not of a mass material, but they are electromagnetic in nature. And they can affect the electromagnetic field of things. Uh, think about how a speaker works. Mm-hmm. A speaker works by uh, moving electromagnetic field that causes the cone to vibrate, right. and ghosts do the same thing you know their 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 energy their electromagnetic field their energy is sometimes weak, but they can draw on living people to amplify themselves, which is why some people can go to a haunted location and have a bunch of ghost phenomena. Another person who really doesn't have a lot of energy, so to speak, can go there and nothing happens. This has been known since the days of spiritualism in 1849. Yeah, but how many many
2: times is it when somebody goes to one of these haunted locations that it's mind over matter in their own psyche compared to an actual paranormal experience?
3: Well, uh, I don't think that when people go to a haunted location they're necessarily going there with a preconceived idea that they're going to manifest stuff.
2: But if a person goes to a haunted house or a haunted location and they're aware of that, their subconscious picks up that, that, uh, that message, and can't that play on the person's uh, seeing or hearing non-existent sounds and sights?
3: Well, <clears throat> I don't think that most people are prone to hallucinations and see if they were hearing something that wasn't there, that would be a hallucination. I think most people's concrete filter filters that out. Mm -hmm. Now, if a person is aware and their energy level is high, they can cause objective sounds, just like those raps that I was telling you about. Those are very common phenomena. Years ago, when we used to have a, a weekly meeting, we'd have a big meditation session that had quite a few people meditating, and there were knocks and raps and other sounds all the time that were very objective, and no one was expecting those things. Now, some people with a vivid imagination can go and perhaps assume that certain noises that they're hearing are paranormal in nature when they're not, but at the same time, if noises are taking place, and it's not the wind, or it's not the house settling or whatever, then there's some basis for it. You know, some people Mm -hmm. tend to think that being skeptic is a good thing, but skeptic is a preconceived notion that something doesn't exist. And as quantum physics tells us, the experimenter affects the experiment. And there can't be an experiment without the experimenter. So that person's mind is affecting reality.
2: So can't we say the same thing about people who go into a haunted location with a preconceived idea that they're going to actually have a paranormal experience then?
3: Well, uh, that's difficult to say because I guess it's on a case-by-case basis. I'll give you an example. I went to... Cheatham Hill Battlefield a number of years ago mm-hmm. and I walked around looking for EVPs I had no clue what was there I mean it's, it's sort of noted for being haunted but the EVPs I, I got two of them in uh, about 90 minutes I got two of them and one of them was saying a, a gurgled help and the other one was saying uh, something to the effect of who are you and my mind didn't make that up. You know, it was on the tape. And so you can use EVPs if you, if you doubt yourself. All right, let me ask you. You can't let, me, doubt let, what rec-
2: let me propose this to you. If, as you were saying, that ghosts or paranormal activity are caused by electromagnetic uh, vibrations, isn't it possible that a thought process could also be an electromagnetic... Field that is actually projecting thoughts from a subconscious level onto that EVP?
3: Uh, Well, uh, theoretically, that's possible, but then, you, you know, why would you do that?
2: Maybe because it's your will you want to subconsciously so much have a paranormal experience that you actually project that thought Onto the uh, onto the recorder.
3: Well, I'd say that the research in EVPs demonstrates that that's highly unlikely. But there is no there is uh, no
2: actual credibility when it comes to EVP recordings. Science has not bonafide it. So it's it's a theory as it stands now.
3: Well, uh, actually, if you look at the early experimentation and so forth. I think it's pretty been pretty well validated because it started. But it hasn't over, been
2: it hasn't been validated scientifically, only by members of the paranormal community who insist of its legitimacy.
3: Well, but let's look at the, what you're calling scientific. If, as the quantum physicists say, the experimenter affects the experiment. If you have someone... Okay, no look, time you, to you, and I, you and I have to take a commercial break.
2: Mind. We'll be back on the other side in a couple of minutes. This is the Exxon. We're coming to you live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, back after this break.
0: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you.
2: Robert Stone is our special guest this hour, Rexall Nation website, www.geohanover.com I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Rob, when you were giving us the explanation on how quantum physics, uh, you know, are kind of pointing to EVPs. But t- but tell me, has there been one quantum physicist who has come out and said unequivocally that EVPs are legitimate?
3: Well, uh in terms of naming names, I can't say because I haven't looked into that. Because right. as a as a psychologist, mm-hmm. see, we have to deal with construct validity. In other words, when you're dealing with psychology, you're dealing with things that you can't measure. In other words, you can't concretely put the mind out there on the table. Mm-hmm. And so you have to come up with indirect ways to do it, inferential uh, interpretation. However, you know what you're talking about in terms of concrete information, Dr. Gary Schwartz has done an incredible job. He's a clinical psychologist, and he's also into physiological psychology. And he has done all sorts of things with documenting precognition, Mm -hmm. healing, uh, you know, mind over matter things. And so his work is probably the best in the field, and he's written a number of books on it. And he is a very um, persistent and concrete person, and everything he's done, you know, has been down to the nth degree. So when he comes out, makes various statements about the validity of these things, it's because he's got the, you know, the data to back it up. Well, what did he? Just what did he? What did talk about?
2: What did he say about EVPs?
3: Well, I don't know that he's addressed EVPs. Ah, well, you
2: see, I was talking he, about specifically EVPs. That that's the topic I was talking about. I wasn't talking about other aspects of the paranormal because. I know that there have been many tests and many studies done including at Stanford and at UCLA where where you know there's been tests done in labs that you know eminent scientists are investigating but I had never heard of any concrete evidence from anywhere pointing to EVPs well, as as legitimate Let me
3: ask this, Let me ask this question. Sure. If you were a uh, academic mm-hmm in such a field that was so uh, out of the mainstream, yeah. would you say, okay, this is real?
2: Why not? If it's legitimate and the <laughs> academic... No, listen, if it's legitimate, that's, it can be proven, and it, the scientific methods can replicate the experiment and the results, then why not?
3: That's, that's not how it, how it works, though, in academia. Yes, it is, sir. Everybody wants to be safe. No, sir. You know, everybody wants to be safe. No, only the
2: charlatans want to be safe because they're covering their butts, they're protecting themselves from any future, um, any future loss of credibility based on their stupidity and their lack of knowledge. If a scientist or a doctor is credible, he can replicate the experiment, he can bon- you know, he can credibly prove that it does exist, then he will. There's a lot of charlatans out there saying that they can do certain things that they can't. And I think this is what we're coming up against when it comes to EVPs. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exo. And I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.